Amen. So, uh, guys, if you have your Bibles, I'm in Luke 22, and we're going to start in verse 24, and we're going to read uh, through 30. It says, Then a dispute also arose among them about who should be considered the greatest. That's uh, talking about the disciples. Uh, but he, that's Jesus, said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who have authority over them have themselves called benefactors. It is not to be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever is the greatest among you should become like the youngest, and whoever leads like the one serving. For who's greater, the one at the table or the one serving? Isn't it the one at the table? But I am among you as the one who serves. You are those who stood by me in my trials. I bestow on you a kingdom. That's what we're talking about. Greatness in the kingdom. I bestow on you a kingdom just as my father bestowed on me so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and you will sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And uh, so this morning, uh, I want to talk to you again about greatness in this kingdom. And if we're going to do that, again, kind of building on last week, realizing that this world is radically different from God's kingdom. And so we kind of need to have that in mind. And so Jesus definitely has that in mind. So I just kind of want to set it up for you how it all goes down. Uh, so if you were to read Luke 22 right before this, it actually has, has Jesus and the disciples in the upper room eating the Last Supper. And, and some people have said, wait a second, did Luke take what Jesus said somewhere else and did he just insert it here for his own purposes? We actually don't believe that. We think that this is probably an ongoing conversation that Jesus had to have with his disciples on multiple occasions because guess what? They never seem to get it, right? They never seem to get it. So listen to me. If that's the case, I want you to see how crazy this is. If that's the case, now we know according to John's gospel that before Jesus eats the Last Supper with his disciples, they sit down, he takes off his outer robe, he, God, in the flesh, gets down on his hands and knees and washes their dirty feet, right? Feet of men that are about to flee, okay? And then they have the Last Supper, and, and then this argument comes up, and the guys are like, who's going to be the great? I'm like, are you kidding me? Jesus just got on his hands and knees, and you're fighting. Like, that's what we should take away. Like, oh my gosh. And if you want to say, how dumb are the disciples? Then you've got to look in the mirror. Because that's why we have this text. Because we are those people. Because we have been served and loved by Jesus so well. We have been saved. He took, his, uh, he took our sin upon Him, upon the cross. He died for our sake. He conquered death. And yet we still stand so often going, well, what, what's my part in this? Right? We still want to make that story about us. And so uh, this morning, I, I just kind of want to attack the passage the way that Jesus does. And He does it by basically, uh, by basically saying, hey... Uh, guys, my kingdom, not like the world. So, so he goes, hey, here's how people that don't know me act, right? Here's how the Gentiles act. And then he says to his disciples, don't be like that, right? And so we're going to just look at, at how he, he describes those things. And so, uh, so, so here's, again, contextually, Jesus washes their feet. Uh, they eat the Last Supper. Then, then this argument breaks out because Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me. Now, we know that one to be Judas, but it, it's, it's not given here in this text. And so an argument breaks out, verse 23. It says, so they began, this is Luke 22, 23, right before where we picked up. It says, so they began to argue among themselves which of them uh, it could be who was going to do it, who was going to betray him. Now that argument uh, 
evidently spills over into this dispute in verse 24, uh, where it says, Then a dispute also arose among them about who should be considered the greatest. And so let's break it down the way that Jesus does. And again, he does it by uh, saying, here's how Gentiles, this is how non-believers, people who don't know me, think about greatness. And, and he gives us three descriptors. So here's the first thing. He says, non-believers, uh, they like to exercise lordship over others. They like to exercise lordship over others. Now that word lord, uh, it literally means ruler. That's what it means. They like to rule. They, 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 they like to, to, to have power, positions of power. But I think it's also helpful for us as New Testament Christians. There's another title we always attach uh, to Jesus when we say Lord. It's Lord and Savior, right? Lord and Savior. Ever heard uh, the phrase God complex? Anybody? Man, that person's got a God complex. Sometimes people say this about doctors. I love doctors, okay? I'm not saying that about doctors. I, I often need them. So, uh, so not saying, but, but yeah, we, we talk about having a God complex. And, and what does that mean? It means that there's somebody that thinks that they're God. And that's basically what Jesus is saying. He said, listen, Gentiles, they, 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 when they're in positions of power, they want to make it all about them. They want to act like they're God. They want to act like people should respond to them, should report to them, like they deserve it. He's saying, listen, they, they have a God complex. These people that don't know me, this is how they think about greatness. Is it's all about them. It's all about being in charge. And it's not only about ruling, y'all. It's also about having people depend on them, having power. And here's what I'm going to say to you in this world. I think sometimes we don't understand the draw of power. And, and how much it really, uh, it, it makes us feel good to feel needed. See, many of you have a great heart. And I think sometimes it starts out that way. We just want to serve somebody. We just want to help somebody. But then we help somebody and it feels good. And then that person comes back to us again for more help. And then they come back to us again for more help and more help and more help. And before you know it, we've actually become their God. And it feels so good to us. And then if we help them enough... What will happen sometimes, we get a little prideful, then we remind them of the help we've provided. You guys have never done that or had that done to you, right? Never. Never. And that's how sneaky this stuff can be. Jesus says, you want to talk about greatness. First of all, let's just say this. Greatness in my kingdom's not like that. People that don't know God like to lord it over others. They, they like to, to act like their God. They like to act like it's all about them. They like to act like the source of all that's good and right. And, you know. But that's not how you guys should act. It's not how you guys should act. So that's the first descriptor. The second descriptor, though, uh, Jesus uh, says this. Uh, he, he says that non-believers enjoy power and keeping others in bondage, right? They enjoy power and keeping others in bondage. So I, I want look to look with you at verse 25. So the section we just talked about, he said to them, the, the, the kings of the Gentiles, they lord it over them. We just talked about that. But the second section, he says, and those who have authority over them have themselves called benefactors. They have themselves called benefactors. So I want to talk about that section. Those who have authority over them. That, that whole phrase is actually one word in the Greek. It means master. It literally means somebody that is master over another individual. Master over another individual. Right? This is, this is, it means they have such authority that somebody is subject to them, that, that they, uh, that other person is in bondage to somebody else. And y'all, this is the worst of humanity. 
In the history of humanity, the worst of our sinful pride is a belief that somebody else should serve us, that we're better than somebody else because of the color of our skin, because of our education, because of how much money we make. And this comes out and it, and it, and it seeps out into every area of our life. The history of the world shows us this proof. That in the depths of every human heart is a sin that could consider oneself better than somebody else and could try, y'all, because of that, to keep other people in quote, unquote, their rightful place so that you don't lose yours. Whoo! Why is it so quiet in church this morning? Right? And Jesus said, that is not greatness. That is not power. Right? That's perversion, but that's not power. Okay? It's not power. So I, I love, uh, my mentor helped um, contribute to a, uh, a translation of the Bible. It's called The Voice. Um, his name's Brett Dutton. Uh, Brett is like a gifted scholar. He was one of the earliest graduates with a, a, a degree in like Hebrew. He can take the Hebrew Bible and just open it and, and preach it like that. He doesn't need study notes. Like he's incredible. Uh, and so Brett uh, helped with this translation called The Voice. And, and so it, it's, it's a dynamic translation, which means it's thought for thought. They want you to kind of understand uh, the meaning behind what's going on. And so it was done with a bunch of scholars. It was done with, with a bunch of artists and poets and things like that. So you could really feel uh, the text. And so here's what it says in, in the same, kind of reads like a screenplay when you read it. But our passage, this is how, how it begins, the disciples. Which one of us is the most faithful, the most important? Which one's going to be the greatest? Jesus interrupting. Uh, verse 25 through 26, right? Uh, Jesus interrupting. The authority figures of the outsiders play this game, flexing their muscle in competition for power over one another, masking their quest for domination behind words like benefactor or public servant. But you must not indulge in this charade. That is the heart behind what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, listen, those people that like to be masters... They're masquerading behind their desire for dominance over other people. They think that's what greatness is, is dominating somebody else, keeping somebody in their place so they can have a position of power. Yo, this is what the Pharisees did, right? This is what Jesus, like, they wanted a position of power, and now Jesus' own disciples are saying, that's what we want. What place of power do we get? And he's going, are you kidding me? That's not my kingdom. Like, that's not what we're about. Right? And y'all, for every American Christian, this better be a struggle for us when we think about hard concepts like immigration. When we think about people that look different than us or live different than us. When we look around and we, we, we try to make laws and, and, and we feel, we, you better feel the tension of the gospel and how you live. And you make rules to try to keep other people in a position so that you don't lose yours. Because Jesus doesn't call that great. You got me? Alright? We could have an amen occasionally. Right? Just occasionally. There's a third descriptor that Jesus uses to talk about what is not great. 
And it's subtle. You almost, you almost miss it. Uh, but it's this, that non-believers want recognition for what they've done. They want recognition for what they've done. This is so subtle at the end of Luke twenty-two twenty-five. He said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who have authority over them, they have themselves called benefactors. It's a title of recognition. It's what they want. They literally live for somebody to call them my benefactor. Oh, there's my benefactor. There's my Savior. There's my Lord. There's, there's the guy that is so great. Oh, there he is. There he is. And again, when you think about how Jesus talked about the Pharisees, that they would show up. And what, what, did they, what were they known for? They, they loved to be out amongst the people wearing all of their tassels and praying so that people could see them. Oh, there he is. There he is. It's not greatness to desire recognition. Jesus is saying that's, that's not what it's about. So, uh, so, so he kind of rebukes his disciples. You should know better. Um, and, and, and so, let's do this. Caitlin, are, who's running slides? You or mom? You got me. Okay. All right. So I want to skip the next slide and go to Luke twenty two twenty six. 26. Throw in a little curveball. All right. So then Jesus says to them, it is, not, uh, to, uh, it is not to be like that among you. So that's how the world does it. But then he says, but, it, but you better not do it that way. That's not greatness, right? And, and, and why does he rebuke his disciples? Now again, think, think with me, right? So, so those that don't know him, uh, they lord it over him. They like this master thing, keep people in their place, and they want recognition. So, so Jesus is implying we should know better, we disciples. So, so I'm going to give you four things that, that we... Uh, disciples should know better. Uh, number one, we know that we have only one Lord. We can't lord anything over anybody because there's only one Lord. His name is Jesus. All right? That's it. That's it. Your greatness in the kingdom has nothing to do with trying to pull rank, right? Because there's only one rank. There's only one head. His name is Jesus, right? Through him all things were made. By him all things are held together. Jesus, that's it. That's it. One Lord. Ah, the Apostle Paul put it this way, 1 Corinthians 8, 6. He says, yet for us there's one God, the Father. All things are from Him, and we exist for Him. And there is one Lord, one Jesus Christ. That's it. So Jesus says to His disciples, you don't act that way, because you know me. I'm Lord, not you. Me. It's only one Lord, right? Only one Lord. Second, we shouldn't act that way, because we know that the true master came to deliver people out of bondage, not put people in bondage, right? The true master came to deliver people out of bondage, not put people into bondage. So the world, man, they like to be master. They like to keep people in their place. They want to hang on to their position. They think that's what greatness is. It's all about my position. So I'm going to keep people where they belong, right? So I can have my power, my own greatness Jesus says, I'm, I'm the true master, and you know I've come to deliver people out of that. And, and, and they know this because of what Jesus said all the way back in Luke chapter 4. I'm in Luke chapter 4, I'm going to read verse 14 through 19. And uh, it says this, is then Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and the news about him spread throughout the entire vicinity. He was teaching in their synagogues, he was being praised by everyone. He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as usual, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, and unrolling the scroll, he found the place where it was written. 
The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release of the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus, our Master, did not come to enslave anyone, but to set everyone free. And if we are going to call ourselves His disciples, then we need to be about that too, right? We need to be about setting people free. Third, we shouldn't act like the world, right? They wanted the credit. We shouldn't act like them because we understand that Jesus deserves all the recognition, not us, for he alone can save. We shouldn't live for recognition because we understand that Jesus alone deserves all the recognition, right? For he alone can save. Not us, for he alone can save. Acts 4.12. Luke writes, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which they must be saved. I love what John the Baptist early on in his ministry understood. And that's a mindset. It's never about me. It's always about it's always about Jesus. So, so John, who was the, Jesus said the greatest amongst men, listen to his motto, John 3.30. He, Jesus, must increase. I must decrease. You want to be great in the kingdom of God? Ready? Make everything you do about Jesus. Everything. Somebody says, man, you did a great job by the grace of God. Right? Only through the power of Christ himself working in me. Right? Lastly, Jesus lays out something plainly in the text. It's that as disciples, we're called to follow his example by humbling ourselves as servants. It's greatness that we follow his example. That was point four last week. He took the lowest position. Here, uh, again, uh, he, he, he chooses to serve. So think about this next verse in light of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Verse uh, 27, Luke 22. For who is greater, the one at the table which they're prone to think, or he says, or the one serving. He says, it, well, isn't it, isn't it the one at the table, the one sitting there? I mean, I mean the one serving is nothing. But then he says, but, but listen, I am among you as the one who serves. They already know that he's the Messiah. He's like, I came to take the lower position. That is the call, Christians. That is the call. That is what greatness is all about. So what do we do with that? kind of that understanding of greatness in the kingdom, uh, that face-to-face encounter with God's Word that says, hey, uh, you might be doing some things wrong, all right? So, so we act on it. That's what we do. And so I want to give you some homework this week. Uh, number one, I want to challenge you to daily reject the temptation to play God. Daily reject the temptation to play God, and y'all, it is so tempting, right? It is so tempting, uh, anybody ever uh, stay up uh, awake at night um, with financial issues? Come on, nobody else has financial issues. No, just the Huddleston home. Okay, a few others, right? And what do you do, right? How many have you, you plotted? Anybody ever, you, you're trying to think, how else could I make some money? Come on. Anybody, I'm the only person. Yeah, how else could I? Maybe, maybe, I'm looking at Kathy. Maybe I could bake some cookies, right? Uh, maybe, maybe I could build something. Maybe I could sell some sermons. Like, people have these thoughts, y'all. Like, how could we afford another car and, and, and more insurance? And how could we, and we live in this, like, right now, like, that's life. How could we do it? How could we, how could we, how could we? Listen, when you stay up all night worrying about that, it is proof 
that you are trying to play God. Because he's provider, not you. And listen, there's tension in that, by the way. Don't think the pastor's saying all you should do is pray about it and never apply for the job, all right? Because there's tension, right? I, I, I tell people this all the time. A lot of people go, hey, what do I do? I feel like, like this is what you do. You pray, God, like only you can open the heavens and provide what I need, right? But I, I, like I'm, I'm going to, in faith, apply and do these things, and I'm going to trust you to slam shut every door that you don't want me to walk through. That's my approach in life, y'all. Just tell you, and I've, I've been hit in the face by a few doors along the way. All right? But that's it. So I, so I don't want you to play God in your life, but y'all, I also don't want you to play God in someone else's. And again, it's so tempting. It just happens. I remember my first job as a youth pastor. And I, like, first, like, I was so green, y'all. I was so green. I was, I was a pretty new Christian. Like, I didn't get saved until I was 20. And then, let's see, I, oh my gosh, I'm 46. I've been doing ministry for 23 years. So, 20, so like, three years later, now, I'm, like, I'm a youth pastor already. It was nuts. It was, it was I, the church, God bless them, probably not the wisest move ever, okay? But they're like, we see something. And I was like, okay, I'm glad you do. And I, I, was, I was young, dumb, uh, but I love Jesus. And, man, I just wanted to serve kids. And so I would just pour into them, pour into them, pour into them. I wanted to be that place that they could come, a refuge. I would always try to point them to Jesus. Uh, but there was one person in particular in my ministry that that person kept coming to me. And then it was like every time they had a problem, they came to me. And then they would, like, would call me. And at some point, I literally had to sit them down and, and say, I want to tell you the most loving thing that I can ever tell you, but it's going to sound really mean. Stop coming to me with all your problems. Because I can't fix them. Only Jesus can. You are going to the wrong source. And it, it took some like, like, I, like part of me felt good that somebody would realize, but man, you had to realize the danger in that is that we try to be the person. So, some of you stayed up for nights and nights and nights because you think it's your job to save somebody in your family or to save your neighbor. It is your job to tell them about the Lord. If you're not doing that job, that is on you. But when you live the gospel for them and you speak the gospel to them, it is the Lord's job to save them. Do you understand? So don't play God. Don't try to play God. Do your part. Do what God has called you to. We, we have that same thing with survivor's remorse sometimes. We think, if I had just said something else, then maybe that would have... Who are you? You're not God. Be faithful. Do what God has told you to. And trust God with the results, okay? So daily reject the temptation to play God. And y'all, it is a temptation, okay? Number two, number two, um, I want to challenge you to aim to serve rather than be served. Aim to serve rather than be served, okay? It's crazy. Dads, I get it. It's Father's Day. Some of you are going to go home and you're going to cook your own steak. God bless you. For multiple reasons. Number one, the restaurants are too crowded. Number two, nobody makes a steak better than you. All right? Nobody. And that's okay. That's okay. And you know what afterwards? I hope the kids jump up and say, let me do the dishes. But if you want to do them anyway, God bless you. Right? That's okay. Right? Brandon's like, nope. Kids are doing the dishes. Yep. Hey, we're going out to eat. So, bro, listen. I thought about cooking my own steak. I did. I did. Seek to be the one that serves, not to be the one that is served. Especially, guys, especially if the Lord has blessed you with a position of leadership. Especially if he's blessed you with a position of leadership in his church. Don't be the one that's just doling out things to do. Be the one that's next to the people doing the things that need to be done. Be that kind of leader. 
right? I, I, I've told you guys for the longest time, like, I, I will do anything in the church. I, I, oftentimes, you guys show up, and I am doing those things. I'm cleaning windows or making sure that the toilets look right. Or, I mean, dear goodness, guys, come on, right? Just, just wipe things down every once in a while. It's fine. Uh, but, but I do those things because I care about the bride, and I want people to feel at home here. And, and we just all need to do those things. There's, there's, no, there's no task in this church that is too small for me. There should be no task in your home that's too small for you. There should be no task in your neighborhood that's, that, that's below you or beneath you, right? So we need to aim to serve rather than be served. And finally, guys, uh, say this last one. Release your desire for recognition and point all praise to Jesus. And this is hard. It's hard to release your desire for recognition. Uh, husbands know what I'm talking about, right? Some of you godly men, when your wife leaves the house, decide, I'm going to clean this sucker, right? Come on. How many, how many guys have ever done this? You've, you've mopped, you've done things, wife comes home, you, your chest is out. Like, whoo! Not a word is said, right? Not a word. So what do you do? What do you do? This right here. You stand there for a while, you're waiting on it. You might even say, so what do you think? Notice those floors? Yep, got down on my knees and scrubbed the grout. What do you think? I think you're a show-off, is what she says in my home. Um, right? It's your desire for recognition. One of, uh, one of our great presidents, Harry Truman, uh, actually said, uh, it's amazing what you can accomplish when you don't care who gets the credit. You know that statement is so true in the church. We'll just stop worrying about who gets the credit. You will be amazed. If we'll point everybody just to Jesus, you will be amazed at what can get done. You really, really will. Turf wars are gone. We don't care about uh, the songs that we sing or the places that we park. It's all for Him. We wake up every morning wanting to come to this place, having invited tons of people during the week to join us because it is not about us. It is about Him and what He is doing, and we just want to be a part of it. And man, that changes things. That changes things. It's kind of what it looks like to be great in the kingdom. All right? Do you guys pray with me? Father, we're prideful people. We don't want to admit that, but that is the truth. So help us, God. Help us be like your son. Jesus, you are Lord. You're the only Lord. You're the, you're the master, and yet... Here you are, our Lord, our Savior, our Master, and you are serving us even today. You're washing our feet. You're cleansing our sin. You meet us in, in our worst moments, and you call us out. You tell us it's going to be okay. You forgive us. You purify us, and then you walk with us into righteousness. You are so good. Because of that, Lord, let us not ever make it about us. Help us live for you, for your glory, and for your kingdom. Remind us daily that's what it means to be great. In your name we pray. Amen.